All right. I want to draw your attention to verse 9 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. Here's a little news flash for all of you Baptists out there. We don't know everything, do we? Right, we act like we do, but we don't know everything. It says, But that when that but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. That one of these days we are going to know it all. But it's not going to be until Jesus Christ comes. Until then, we know in part. And then it says, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as, I, as also I am known, and now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. You know, I'm thankful for what has been revealed to us about God and about Jesus Christ through the scriptures, but we only know in part, folks. And, you know, we're, uh, we're always gonna, you know, be struggling to try to describe God. You know, when we're trying to describe the Trinity, it's always a difficult thing because at the end of the day, none of us have ever seen God. And for us to, our minds can't comprehend Him. All we can do is believe what the Bible says about Him. But listen, what we know is only in part. And one of these days, after we've seen him face to face, we're going to have that full knowledge, but we do not have that knowledge right now. Right now, when it comes to God and when it comes to even many of the things that the Bible teaches, we see these things through a glass darkly. We can see some images. We can get an idea of some things, but we don't have the full picture yet. We can't see it clearly, and we just need to get a hold of the fact that we don't know everything that there is to know. We don't, we don't know everything, but here's something that we do know. Right now, abideth faith, hope, charity. These three. But the greatest of these is charity. Right now, we do know that we're supposed to love. We're supposed to have charity. We have faith. I mean, we have to have faith if we're going to believe all these things the Bible tells us that we only know in part. But boy, that charity, that's something that we need to have. And that's going to play in more on what I'm going to talk about tonight. This is going to be a two-parter. And what I want to talk about is the title of my message is A 2020 View of 2020. And I have had this sermon planned all year. Back when everything got started, you might remember me saying, when this year is over, because there was all this unknown, there was all this uncertainty, and everybody's trying to figure out what to do. And, you know, we don't know if we're doing the right thing or not, but we're doing the best we can just trying to navigate uncharted territory and one of the things I said is at the end of 2020, I can't wait to preach a message about the last year because after it's over, you know, after everything's done, we all know what we should have done, right? Because hindsight's 2020. And that's why I'm calling it 20, a 2020 view because, and, and listen, this doesn't mean I'm real smart. Hindsight's 2020. Anybody can call, you know, the right thing after the fact, after it's all done. Anybody can tell you, you know, the outcome of a game after the game has been played. And so what I want to do, though, now that 2020 is coming to an end, I want to talk about 2020 now that we've seen it, we've experienced, and talk about some things that I've learned. Because hopefully I'll learn some things this year. You know, I think we've all learned some things. I think 2020 has probably changed us some in many ways. Hopefully for the better. Hopefully for the better. And I want to talk about some of the things uh, that I've learned in 2020, and because so when things started really getting weird this year, you know, we there was a lot of uncertainty. We all were facing things 
that we had never faced in our lifetime. None of us even had, you know, none of us pastors even had an older pastor we could talk to to say, hey, have you ever seen anything like this before? Because no pastor living has ever experienced anything like this. It's been 100 years since they had anything, anything similar to this. So, you know, that, that was tough. You know, we were being told that we were going to have to accept things that didn't seem biblical, that didn't seem constitutional, some things that just didn't make any sense. I mean, there's been some weird rules implemented this year, haven't there? You know, when you can fly on an airplane for several hours in a confined space with people, but you can't go to church. Like, wait a minute, should we be listening to these people? You know, should we be, lis- should we be listening to health experts that teach you can kill your babies, that teach that homosexuality is okay? Is this who, should we be listening to them and following their advice on what we should do in church? I mean, I'm not a scientist. I haven't looked at the coronavirus under a microscope. I don't know what it can do, but I'm pretty sure I probably don't want to listen to these people. I mean, is CNN all of a sudden telling us the truth? Is that what we're supposed to think? You know, is the government all of a sudden telling us the truth? You know, I didn't know. I, I didn't know how deadly this was going to be. You know, we had all the mathematicians putting their numbers and things out there, telling us how we were all going to die, and this was going to be as bad as the Spanish flu. And, you know, we didn't, did, did we actually know how bad it was going to be? Obviously, we did not know. None of us really knew. So when we're all trying to think about what we should do, you know, it was, it was tough because we didn't know just how bad it was going to be. And obviously, I don't want to have service and have a big outbreak and then 20% of our church die. You know, I didn't want that happening, but, you know, that's what we're being told. So it was, it was tough. And so I, I think, well, I think most people felt uneasy about everything that was going on. You know, everyone was cautious because while we don't trust the government and the news media, you know, we didn't know the facts about everything. And so when decisions were being made, there was a great deal of prayer that went into those decisions. And I know I was trying to depend on the leading of the Holy Spirit more than I ever had before. And I, I don't think I'm the only one that felt that way. I remember, and I remember, so back then I said, I'm going to preach this message at the end of the year because I knew by the end of the years we would see things more clearly. It would, it would now, things would be clearer as far as what we were up against, what should have been done, what needed to be done. And I, and I get it that it's not completely over yet, but at the same time, uh, I, I think, I think we're seeing things pretty clear now. I think we know what we're up against, what we're dealing with. And so, and one of the things I said back then too, is that we're going to be gracious towards those, you know, and even ourselves if we make the wrong choice because we didn't really know what to do. At the end of the day, I think everyone across the board, I even, I even think, no, I was going to say Joel Osteen. I don't think him. I think it was all financial for him. But I think, I think pretty much any pastor across the board, across denominations, wanted to do what was best for their church. I think they wanted to do the right thing. I think that was their intention. But again, we didn't really, you know, nobody really knew. And I, I've heard from a lot of different pastors, talked to a lot of different pastors. And let me tell you, 2020 has not been a fun year pastoring a church. I don't think it's been a fun year running a business. I don't think it's been fun living, you know, for, for a lot of people in 2020. But I mean, it, it has been, it's been a challenging thing. There's no doubt about it. And so in this past, we looked at, you know, we see we don't know everything, but one day everything will be clear. And so uh, while there is much that we don't know, it is clear 
one of the most important things that right now, as he said in that passage, that we should have charity. First Peter 4, 8 says, and above all these things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. So whenever there's, some, whenever there's doubt about something, whenever there's something that you don't know, one thing you can always know for sure is I need to have charity. I need to be gracious. I need to be loving towards people. And so it's important, especially in years like this, that we learn from them. And hopefully everybody's learned something this year. And so this, this message I'm going to be preaching today, it's not going to be so much an exposition of the Bible, but more of a testimony of what I've personally learned in the last year. And, and really, and, and tonight, okay, let me just give everybody a warning. Tonight, uh, before the sermon, I do want to open the floor and give everybody a chance to kind of give a testimony of something that they learned from 2020, all right? Don't preach a sermon, because I've still got a sermon i got to preach, and it's going to be long, but if you would just like maybe briefly say something you learned, something you're thankful for, you know, let, let's find something to be thankful for in 2020. You've got all afternoon to think about it, but something to be thankful for, in, in, and you know what? If, if you can't find anything to be thankful for, I can give you a few ideas, because there's, there's a lot of good things that happened in 2022, so uh, keep, but just... Let me get that in everybody's head right now. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that tonight. But many of these things I'm going to share right now, these are things that I already knew to a certain extent. These were all things that I knew and I understood in part. But now, let's just say, the glass isn't as dark anymore. Let's just say now things have cleared up a little bit more. And these things that I already knew, I know a little better. Now, after going through 2020... So first thing I learned in 2020, or I should say that I see clear, more clear now, is that church is essential. Now, I figured that out before Donald Trump did, by the way. But at the same time, let me tell you, church is essential. I, I think we've always known that. I, don't, I think we've always known church was essential. But if 2020 has taught us anything, it is that church is definitely essential. I don't care what J.B. Pritzker says. Okay, It's essential. I don't care what Donald Trump says, even if he agrees with me, it's essential. Whether the president says it or not, there's no doubt about it. Let's look at a few passages of scripture here. But Acts chapter 11, verse 21, it says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith and much people was added unto the Lord. I want you to notice Barnabas, one of the things he was known for was being an exhorter, somebody who was always encouraging people and Barnabas, when he saw what was going on, he went to those people in that church and you know what he did? He exhorted them to keep doing what they were doing. He encouraged them. You know why? Because as Christians, we get in the flesh sometimes. And you know what we need? We need a good kick in the pants. One of the th reasons we need church is because we are all prone to backsliding. We're all prone to getting away from God. And we regularly need a good kick in the pants. Not just from the pastor, but sometimes from our fellow brothers and sisters in the church. We need people to motivate us a little bit and to say, hey, what's going on? What are you doing? You know, why, why weren't you in church? Why haven't you been going out souling? Why aren't you doing these things? We need that from people. We're not just going to do good, and we're not just going to live these great Christian lives all by ourselves. I don't think I'm going to. I, I'd like to think that I would do fine either way, but I'm not, I'm not ashamed to admit I need church. We see in Acts 14, verse 21, 
says, And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. And that through, and that we through much tribulation should enter into the kingdom of God. So this church, they're, they're exhorting them to continue and letting them know that, hey, you're going to go through tribulation. You're going to go through hard times and notice when, and they were in hard times during that time. And you know where they got their encouragement? They got their encouragement in church. And so we've got this bad year. We've got 2020 where we've got, you know, we've got pandemics. We've got, you know, murder hornets. We've got hurricanes in Illinois. We've got, I mean, what, what else bad happened this year? The, the election? <laughs> you know, we've got, I mean, you know, lockdowns. I mean, you name it. We've had it this year. And you know what's helped me get through it all this year? Church. Getting around God's people and getting encouraged because I'm t- I wasn't getting any encouragement from the news. Encouragement from the news. I wasn't getting any encouragement through social media. Now listen, I, it, I, I'm glad that the, as Americans we have a sense of humor and we're able to meme horrible things that are going on. I think some of you'll be memeing through the tribulation, and you know, and that's okay. You know, it, it, it's better than the alternative. But at the same time, you know what? It, so, it, it would get depressing sometimes. Seeing all these articles and things people are sharing, you know, pastor, church is getting shut down, pastor getting arrested, you know, the, you know, uh, just uh, they had the church in Kentucky where the people put nails all over the parking lot and stuff, and it's like it, it was frustrating. And you know, it was nice that during this year there was one. There's only one place we've been able to go this year where things were normal, and that was church. You go into Walmart, you got the propaganda everywhere, you got the you know light the arrow markers and things in the floor you got the masks everywhere all right and you know don't don't listen to the internet but you know we didn't do the arrows on the floor here <laughs> everybody knows where to walk you know and it's like they're playing these things over a speaker just make sure you maintain social distance it's like, can we have one place during the year where we can go and things be normal that should be church and I'm, I'm not down on churches that did some of that stuff. They were just trying to keep the government off their back. And I, I've got no problem with that. Okay? We talked about it. You know, we thought if it, if it gets, I can't say too much of our plans online, but you know, we've, we've had some plans. All right. We've, we've talked about shows that we could put on. We've had performances ready to go in case we needed them. And so if other churches have had to actually you know, debut those performances, you know, I'm not down on them for it. Thankfully, we never had to perform. But at the, at the same time, you know, we were ready to do all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm thankful we've been able to keep it normal here because we needed, we needed some normal. And you know how many of us would just like to just go and just sit in a restaurant and eat? You know, sometimes when my whole family goes out to eat, we can't even sit with each other because we might all give each other coronavirus. <laughs> You know, we won't do it in the van, but we will at the table. And we have, we've literally, and, and you know, I'm not mean to the restaurants. The first restaurant we went to where we had to separate the family, you know, I told the workers, like, you know, you do realize we all rode here in the same van. We all live in the same house. And she's like, I know, but we, we have to do this. And, and you know, if, as long as they act like it's stupid, I'm nice to them. But when they act like they're saving me from the coronavirus, then I'm like, you know what? You're an idiot. I'm going somewhere else. 
As long as they act like it's stupid, I'll be respectful. And there have been a lot of businesses they're making us do dumb stuff, but if, as long as they act like it's stupid at Menards, they believe in this stuff. Okay, just let me just throw that out there, all right? Menards, they believe in this stuff, and I've argued with some of those workers about it, and I feel like I'm talking to Anderson Cooper on CNN or something like that, the way they're defending this foolishness, and I'll never forget it, folks. And never forget, <laughs> never forget Menards. They. They, they're, they're bad. I'm getting sidetracked a lot, but in Acts chapter 15, verse 30 says, and so, so when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch. When they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle. And when they had, uh, when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. And Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. So they came together and they read this letter to the church. They were comforted as a group. By this letter, the, you know, when they came, they, they rejoiced for that consolation. Judas and Silas, they exhorted these people. They came together, and folks, they needed some encouragement during this time. It was, you know, they didn't just have, you know, viruses trying to kill them. They had government trying to kill them. And they, they needed some comfort. And we see in 1 Thessalonians 2, 9, For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable to any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses in God also how holy and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. And ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as the Father doth his children that you would walk worthy of God who had called you into his kingdom and glory. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. So again, this church that was being persecuted, that was going through a difficult time, notice how they're coming together, and, these, and the apostles, they're coming through, and they are comforting them. They are encouraging them. They are exhorting them. And encouraging them to be worthy of the kingdom of God. Because we need that, especially during hard times. And you know what it does? All this does is it puts into perspective the famous verse that all pastors love to go to about church attendance. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. Look what it says. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. That's not, listen, that command, it is about church attendance, but it's also showing why it's so important. It's because we need exhorted, especially as we see the day approaching, especially as things get bad, especially while difficult times are coming. We need that exhortation. We always need it. We, get, we always need church, but if there was ever a time you did want to slack off on church, it should be when things are going good, not when things are going bad. And I don't think you ought to slack off when things are going good either, but you definitely don't want to when things are, are going bad. And this year has proved it. They're even doing studies saying the only people that have like improved their mental health this year have been people who went to church regular. I wonder why that is. Maybe it's because that's the one place where you can go and you get encouraged to be spiritual, to do right, where things are normal. I mean, there's a, there, God didn't just tell us to do these things just to do them. There was a reason 
It was a benefit to us. It was a good thing. The commandments of God are not grievous. It is not a grievous thing to be commanded to go to church. It's a good thing. God is, God was thinking well of us when he gave us that command. And so we should always have church, but especially in years like 2020. And so our government, it was, it was out of line when they told people that they couldn't go to church. And when they told people, it was all out of line when they told them not to visit the elderly relatives. When they forced people to shelter in place, the cure was worse than the disease. And they, you know, and Trump's talking about, you know, we can't do that, but they did it. They did it. And they need to acknowledge it. The cure has been worse than the disease. We can all look back on that and say that. Looking backwards. We didn't know that for sure. I'm willing to cut them some slack because we didn't know. But you know what? At this point, we ought to be able to look back and say the cure was worse than the disease. We need to get this right in 2021. Now, unfortunately, they're still looking through a glass darkly. <laughs> and, and actually, I don't think they are looking through a glass darkly. I think they're just manipulative, and I think they want to take over this country. I think they do want to destroy small businesses. I, I, think, they, I think they want to destroy our economy. They're, they're, and you say, how can you say that? You know why? Because I have 2020 vision. I'm looking back at everything they've done, and it hasn't worked. It hasn't made any sense. Go to the states where the lockdowns were the most strict, and you know what? That's where the most diseases are at. I mean, it sounds like we would all be better off if we were active, if we got out, if we were, if we went to gyms and exercised, if we actually got around some germs and kept our immune systems strong. Isn't that what science has always taught? Until 2020. And now scientists that will lose their license and, you know, lose their credentials if they say different are all of a sudden they've changed their tune. But you know what? You know, I, I personally, and, you know, the states that have stayed the most open, they're doing, they're doing fine. They're doing the best. I don't think that's a coincidence. I, I really don't. I think it's just, I think it's common sense. So the government, they've, the government is not there, too. We've got to understand this. They're not there to stop bad things from happening. You know, they are there to help when things get difficult. And I'm not saying there's never going to be a time when there's a pandemic that's so bad that people shouldn't shelter in place. But we must understand that shutting things down does have horrible consequences. And they have no right to do this type of thing preemptively. Y'all understand? That, that's the thing we've got to understand. They never had any right to preemptively lock us down. It, was, it would have been another thing if people had actually been dying. So you should wait till people start dying before... I think the government should always wait until things happen before they do anything because, you know, if, if we're going to use that logic, then you know what? We should all stop driving cars to prevent car accidents. But you know what? We all understand car accidents are possible, but we're willing to take the risk. We've chosen as, as a society that we are willing to take the risk. The benefits of driving outweigh the risk. And so even though... You know, it could happen. We have all chosen that we would rather do that. And you know what? From what I've seen at this point with this pandemic, I, for one, am willing to take the risk. I'm willing to take the I would rather have freedom and get the, the risk of getting sick than to not get sick but then have freedom taken away and, and be forced to live a life that's not worth living. I think we have a right to decide to do that. So common sense laws should be put in place, but, you know, they can't eliminate car wrecks. 
without damaging many other things that we've come to love in this country. And so uh, the, these are all things we've I've been reminded of. I think we already knew them, but another thing, too, that I've learned this year is the Bible prophecy is going to come to pass. Now, I've, I've never doubted the book of Revelation. I've never doubted that uh, the mark of the beast and all that kind of stuff is going to happen. But you know what? I have always just kind of wondered how they're going to get to, how we're going to get to this point, how it's all going to play out. And, you know, and, you know, there's a lot of questions, but you know what? I don't have as many questions anymore. Let's look at Revelation 13, verse 11. <clears throat> it says, I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon, and he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. Now, I want to stop here for a second and just say that I do believe that the Antichrist is going to have the power to do some miracles, but, but the Bible also says that he's going to do many lying wonders. So it's very possible some of the miracles that he does aren't even really miracles. People are just convinced they're miracles. So, for example, let's just say the government magically gets rid of the coronavirus through the vaccine. Now, you and I know they didn't really get rid of the coronavirus through the vaccine, but it doesn't matter if the whole world thinks it. If all of a sudden now, hey, we can take the masks off, we can travel, we can do everything again because, you know, Donald Trump got that vaccine through so fast and we're all taking it, you know, that could happen. And, you know, a, a year from now, we might hear all the news media talking about how they stopped coronavirus through the vaccine. And it would have been faster if it hadn't been for you anti-vaxxers. That's, that's probably what they're all going to be saying. But you know what that would be called? That would be called a lying wonder. They didn't really do anything. And I, I do think that the Antichrist is going to do stuff like that. So be watching for that stuff. Be watching for the lying wonders. If the, if the government tells you they successfully accomplished anything, get real nervous, all right? You know, the chances are they're not telling you the whole truth. But it says in verse 15, And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, folks, when you look at that verse right there, all of a sudden now things are making a little more sense because where have they enforced all this foolishness, at least in the United States? It's through the buying and selling. All the places that we need to go to do business, they've been using them to enforce the mask mandates and all the other foolishness. And that's what they're going to keep doing. That's probably how they're going to enforce the mandatory vaccines. The government's probably not going to get, get away with making a law saying everyone has to take a vaccine. But what they probably will do is get businesses to say, if you don't take a vaccine, you're fired. If you don't take, get a vaccine. And, and the thing is, how are, they, how are we going to know? How are they going to know that we got the vaccine? I think we're going to probably have to have some kind of proof. You know, if it's a card or some kind of certificate, you know, that could be easy for fraud. And let me tell you something. I don't believe in buying, buying fake IDs and fake driver's licenses and things like that. But 
Never mind. I'm not, not online. Or I'm online, so. Not above everything. But let me, let me, you know, what way, better way to get rid of fraud than give them a mark? And, and I'm, I don't think they're going to do that with this, you know, COVID vaccine just yet, but they might. You know, and who's to say that the mark of the beast is the first mandatory mark that ever comes? That's the one that will get you damned to hell. But who's who's to say that's the first mark that we have to get? I mean, what's to say that they don't try it as uh, some other kind of mark? I, I, it's all heading that way. And the fact too, that, that that's what they use that you can't buy or sell. That's what they're using now. And, and all, all I just have to say is, I've always believed this passage, but you know what? I believe it now more than ever. I believe it now more than ever. I'm starting to see it a lot more clear. And we've got to understand, there is some power that the government just should not have. Matthew 22, 17 says, tell, there, uh, people, the Pharisees are coming, tempting Jesus. They said, tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he said unto them, whose is this image and superscription? They say unto him, Caesar's. Then he saith unto them, render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God's. And let me tell you, there are some things that are the government's. There are some things that it is the government's place to do those things. It is the government's place to punish evildoers. There are some things that do belong to Caesar. But there are some things that belong to God. And let me tell you something, church belongs to God. Caesar has no say in what goes on in church. Now, he can try all he wants, but he has no right. God does not recognize it. I do not recognize it. And we, we, we've got to understand there is a place, and every, everything needs to stay in its place. Thank God for those words that we have. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, and they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government, that whenever any form of government should become destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them, shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. And folks, I love those words right there. And let me tell you something. What's going on in our government today, it is against our Constitution. It is illegal. It keeps getting ruled illegal in many cases. All these places where governors are telling churches what to do, they keep getting overruled in the courts. You know why? Because it is illegal. According, not just God's law, Thank God it's illegal according to the laws of the land. And you know what? We need to stand up against these psychos. Otherwise, they're going to think this is it's okay what they're doing. You stand up against it. Our government has no right to tell our church what to do. Our government has no right to tell people what to believe or how to worship. Our government has no right to take our guns. And, our, and we have, and listen, we just read it here in the Declaration of Independence. We have the right to overthrow the government. Pastor Tommy, are you encouraging that in church today? Listen, this is church. This is the things of God. As a church, we are not trying to take over the government. We are not trying to overthrow the government. But 
I'm also an American too. And as an American, I support that. <laughs> I, I bring on the revolution. I, that's, that's the way I look at it. I'm not going to start it. I, I got more important things I, I think I need to work with. I, I want to stay focused on the spiritual thing. I just saw a pastor that I know who has uh, just, he's, uh, this, I think the last Sunday in his church, and he's going to focus his ministry on getting more involved in politics and trying to fix things in Washington, D.C. I disagree with that. I disagree with that. This comes first for me. Well, let me tell you something. If on a Saturday night I want to like go to some militia meeting or something like that, or uh, you know, support some group outside this church, you know what? If if you want to do that, God bless you. God bless all patriots. We're not going to go out in the name of Liberty Baptist Church today, and we're going to all just go into Walmart or to Menards, and not wear a mask, and we're going to, as Liberty Baptist Church fight for our rights as Americans. But hey, bless God, if you all want to do it as individuals and as American citizens sometime during the week on your own, in your own name, or as an American, by all means, go do it. God bless you. I got your back. Everything has its proper place. And we, we, we want to keep that, we want to keep that right. But I am, I'm thankful for what the law of our land, the, the freedoms that they have acknowledged. And those who come in and try to just throw that aside, you know what? Uh, I'm against them. As far as I'm concerned, they're they're the enemies. They they are enemies and they are traitors. So, Pastor, what are you going to do if they officially get rid of the Constitution? Then I'm going to obey God rather than men. But I'm pretty thankful that right now I can obey God and man doing what we're doing. You know, I would prefer to obey God and man. And as long as man's laws line up with God's laws, and we're all good. But as soon as they get out of line, then, well, forget the Constitution. Uh, I'll obey God rather than men. And e- e- either way, we're fine. So uh, third thing I learned, I'll keep, I'll keep this one brief, but it's going to be hard. <laughs> I have greatly underestimated the power of the media and their ability to manipulate and control the thinking of the general public. Man, did I, did I ever underestimate the news media? Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So notice that these principalities that we're working against, they are spiritual wickedness in high places. And listen, if you don't think this has been a spiritual battle this year, all right, then because you're, the only armor you're, armor you're wearing is a blindfold. There's no doubt there's been a spiritual battle this year. I mean, it has affected people spiritually. Uh, again, What's one of the main things they're talking about? All the mental health issues that's going on from all this. You know, the, the whole armor of God could have helped with that. You know, the things of God could have helped with that quite a bit. But we've got to understand that we that there is an all-out assault on the hearts and the minds of the people in our country and in our world today. The propaganda is endless. And, and the... The way that Hollywood and the news media and the government are all just in unison and working together on these things, you know, it's scary and it's working. 
It is working. Most people are going along with all, with all these things. And so uh, Matthew 7.13 says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Folks, we were told that broad is the way that leads to destruction. We've been told that narrow is the way that leads to life. Most people aren't going to get things right. We've been told that. The Bible told us that. We all knew that. But you know, this year, it's become more apparent. It's just become more clear, hasn't it? There's there's no doubt about it. When you see just the, the direction of our country and the way things are going, it is, it's frightening. And so this passage in Matthew, it's about salvation, but it is a reminder that most people get things wrong. And we just, we need to, you know what we need to do? We need to just get a hold of the fact and we just need to accept the fact that we are probably always going to be the minority. You know, we probably better just resign ourselves to the fact that we will probably never be the most popular church in town. I, I think if, if they, I don't know if they give out a most popular church award in Rock Falls, but we're probably not going to get it. And I think we just need to be okay with that. Too many people are just shooting for popularity. We can't do that. But then lastly, real quick, our only, and we all knew this, what I'm going to say is not a news flash. We all knew this, but we know it even more now, and that is our only security is Jesus Christ. Isaiah 62, verse 1 says, Truly my soul waiteth upon God, from him cometh my salvation. And I don't believe that's just talking about soul salvation there. David often wrote a lot of things like this when he was in distress, when he was going through difficult times, when he when his life was being threatened. God was his salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Verse 6, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. This should always be our attitude. But folks, in years like 2020 is when we really need to get a hold of passages like this. And we've got to make him our refuge. We've got to, we've got to, we've got to get our security from him. Too many people are looking for the, to the government for security. Too many people are looking for their jobs and, and, and other things. There are even other people for their security. We've got to keep our dependence on God. We all know that, but we don't always practice it. And in reality, we have less excuse to not practice that after this year because there's no doubt we have needed God more than ever this year. I mean, I, I know I've prayed more this year than I have in previous years. You know what? The, and maybe that's why God allows these things to happen. Maybe that's why God allows us to go through things like 2020. But you know what? How about we all just learn our lessons so God can start blessing again? <laughs> let's, just, let's just learn our lesson. And if things get real good, really panic and really get close to God. Because we don't want to be like Israel, where every time God delivers them and things go good again, they forget the Lord. And then God's got to bring trouble in again. And that's the problem. As a country, we have forgotten the Lord as a country. There's no doubt about that. We've forgotten him, and we cannot do that. He must always be our refuge. This should be something that is in our hearts all the time, every year, whether it's 2019 or 2020. These things should be in our hearts. Whatever security we have had in our country we have learned it can be lost or taken away at any time. As much as I love the Constitution, let me tell you, I'm not feeling that secure about it anymore. I don't get a whole lot of security from it. I'm still thankful for it, you know, and, but it, it, and I'm thankful for what it has done, but um, I, I don't 
feel real secure with it. But I do with God. You know, I, I, we can always count on that defense. We can't always count on the Constitution, but we can always count on God, and that's why he needs to be the focal point. And so 2020, it, it's just prove the Bible right again. That's all there is to it. You know, I had a, we had a guy that came out a couple times when we were still in the old building back when the lockdown first started, coming to check up to see if we were still meeting. I don't know if you all remember, remember that, but uh, one of the things that he just kept asking me, you all believe in God, why is all this happening? That's what he kept asking. Because, you know, if he was God, he wouldn't allow bad things to happen. You know, he knows more than God if you, if you ask him. And, you know, and the truth is, you know, I think we all, while we don't know for sure, we don't always know the mind of God, I can think of several reasons. Again, one, like, why God would allow things like this to happen. One, to wake us up. You know, that, you know, we, we all know that. And guys like him would know if they would actually come to church. And listen and not just look at God as like a glorified Santa Claus that just gives him everything he wants. But he said, God, God's word, it's timeless and it's clearer than ever. Antichrist is coming, but that's okay because Jesus, we know Jesus is going to come and he is going to defeat the works of darkness and he will be victorious. And we are on, we are on the winning side. That's all there, that's all there is to it. And so 2020, has just confirmed these things. We've always known it was going to get bad. You know, so why are we surprised? You know, we, we shouldn't be surprised by any of these things, but we always, we still know the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. And the last thing we just needed to get, do is get caught up in the hype, get real emotional. And so tonight we'll come back. We're going to talk about, uh, more, some things I learned. It's going to, we're going to kind of go a different direction with some things that I, that, that we've learned as far as, as a church. And kind of how we operate and do some things in relation to church and amongst other Christians. Some things that, I, that I've learned this year that hopefully uh, that will be, will be a help and a blessing. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word, Lord. And we, th- we thank you for 2020, Lord. Even though this has been a crazy year and a lot of bad stuff's happened, Lord, we've seen you do a lot of great things. That You've blessed us. You've got us through it. Lord, you never promised that life was always going to be easy. In fact, you promised that uh, we'd have tribulation in this world. And so, dear God, I pray you'll help us to learn the lessons that we're supposed to learn and that we will go forward uh, doing right and you'll help us to be victorious. And I, I do pray that you will be merciful and that you will give us a better year in 2021. We can see some things go back to normal, uh, but hopefully, Lord, with some lessons learned. In your name we pray. Amen.